Hello, my name is Michael Alford. I live in Fruitland Park, Florida. Been coming to the ministry here for about three years and they've been helping me with food. Uh, Brother Joe that works here, he told me one day that when he seen that I was doing bad and I, I couldn't work no more, that they come down and they would help me out. And I was kind of you know, feeling funny about doing it because I've always taken care of myself all my life. I've been on my own since I was 21. And when I came down here, they, they don't just give, they give me good food. They give stuff that makes me healthy, proper meats, vegetables, fruits, and the sweets that I like, because I'm a sweet junkie. And uh, they just, they, they've helped me so much in the last three years. They've taken a lot of pressure off. I could come here in a grumpy mood, not feeling good, uh, just, just rousy day. And before I leave out of here, I'm smiling. Hi, my name is Gail Hood. I've been coming to Beyond the Walls, so I'm in my third year now, and I'm here with a few of my friends that we come every other week. Uh, it's amazing what we do. Today we did 1,500 pounds of meat, and we've got it all put aside for the people that are come, our neighbors that need the food, and we are so blessed and that we are able to do this. Now, I feel that I'm blessed at my age that I can still do this, and I love doing it. I love helping Colleen, who is absolutely amazing at what she does for Beyond the Walls, and everyone else. Um, just walking out of here now that we're done, I just know there was gonna be 300 and some odd people that are going to receive our, our work that we did today, plus all the work they'll do tomorrow. It just makes me feel good. So I am Danielle Darty. I own Mia Bella in Fruitland Park, and we have a bunch of hairstylists, we have massage therapy, all the things. And we opened, February will be five years ago, and literally like the first month we opened, um, we partnered up with the pantry. We've been able to literally meet the most incredible humans and be a part of like really special milestones in their lives. Um, job interviews, getting to meet family for the first time, just giving them really incredible haircuts and completely transforming the way they look, which changes their heart and soul. Uh, my name is Judy Young and I live in Fruitland Park for the past 19 years with my husband of 51 years. I've been at Beyond the Walls for approximately 16 years now. I speak with them, I talk with them, I pray for them, and I let them know that God loves them and I love them too. Hello, my name is Sidney Brock. I'm lead pastor at Heritage Community Church. Uh, this past year, we had the privilege of hosting what was called the Mobile Dental Clinic, and uh, our Mobile Dental Clinic was an incredible success this past year. Um, so much we were able to help more than 80 people uh, with dental issues that are here, our neighbors within our community, and we're excited about being able to already look at next year and what that's gonna look like. The numbers of dentists and those who are uh, working inside of the, um, the dental uh, field came in to help, as well as many other volunteers. We're so thankful for all the, the resources that came in from outside, as well as inside our church family to help make that a very big success this year. Special thanks. Uh, <laughs> Many thanks to Mike and Lisa Smith and all the works that they put in uh, as coordinators this year. Uh, it is a blessing to have them. Um, but again, thank you for, for all your work, all your prayers, all your resources to help do help us do what we do here at Beyond the Walls. Uh, your partnership with us is so essential in helping us meet the needs of our people here within our community and make a difference in, in our area. Listen, God bless you. Have a great day. Uh, we love you very much.
we are thankful for Beyond the Walls. If you happen to serve at Beyond the Walls or you served in um, the mobile dental clinic, would you stand just for a moment? Would you do that? I know they're all over the place. Yes. You can be seated. I, um, I was talking to Colleen earlier and she was telling me, and these are, these are the facts, folks. That's good. These are the facts, folks. We are serving double the amount of people that we were at the peak in the midst of COVID right now. That's the situation. And um, your support of Beyond the Walls and what happens there is, is very much needed. Uh, uh, I know that the youth are going to be doing a challenge uh, for cake mixes, mixes and things on Wednesday nights coming up as we get prepared. I mean, listen, I don't know if you guys have, have noticed, but Christmas is only 90 days away, 98 days away, right? Some of you are counting, right? I know your kids are counting. You may not be counting, but I know your kids are. And so, uh, but listen, I mean, it's going to be, the holidays are going to be on us before we, we even recognize that or even know it. And if you would like to participate, bring in some peanut butter and jelly. You say, well, that's not that big a deal. Listen, peanut butter and jelly to a hungry person is peanut butter and jelly. It's like a chocolate cake with pecans on top. Uh, and so uh, now I'm hungry. Let's maybe pray and get out of here. But anyway, <laughs> no, if you would like to participate, you have the ability to bring something on Sunday morning. We'll make sure that it gets over. You can just put it out front there in the, in the foyer and they've got, they'll have a place for it. Um, but this is that time of season that things sort of lull, that gets a little, little tight because we're sort of in between some things. And so we want to let you guys know that need. Um, but um, we are very, very blessed. And I was overwhelmed when Colleen told me the other day that we're serving more than double what they were, we were at the height of COVID. That's just the needs uh, that are out there. And we're blessed to be able to, to serve and to care. And as a church family, we're also blessed to have the partnership of others that work alongside of us. Um, we're blessed to have other churches, other organizations, um, social groups, um, VFW, and those of such, the veterans, are wonderful at assisting us and helping us feed our neighbors, and we're very thankful for them. Have you had a great week? It doesn't sound like you've had so great a one. Matter of fact, this is what I want you to do today because you seem like you're just down and you're, I mean, it must be all the rain, that's what it is. So I want you to do this today, if you do this for me. I want you to stand up and I want you to meet three new people. Would you do that? Just shake their hand. Greet them with that holy kiss we talked about last week. You guys are having way too much fun this morning. Did you meet somebody that was uglier than you today? All right, that's good. See, I, I knew that there'd be a way to encourage as you, as you went through the crowd, you'd find somebody that you look better than, and so now you're, now you're encouraged. I want you to turn in the book of Romans, uh, Paul's letter. We're going to be in chapter 16. We're getting really, really really close to the end. We're not going to finish today. Brian's going to finish it next week, but we're getting really close. 
Chapter 16, verses 17 to 24. You know, over this past year, we've, we've learned about a lot uh, as, as we've listened to the writings of Paul as he wrote to the church at Rome. And we've seen a lot of things that matter. We've seen where gospel matters, church matters, the unity matters, doctrine matters, joy, peace, and hope that are not only available to us, but Paul said that they mattered. And today, here we are as we move towards the end of this letter, we're going to hear something today. It's almost like Paul stops and said, okay, guys, hold on one second. Before I close out, I want to share something with you that's really, really important. And today you get an opportunity to hear that. So are you ready to hear it? It's, it's there. And it's something that is so important for us today, especially in the world in which we live. It was not only something that was important back when Paul spoke it to the church at Rome, but this today is a message for us. And the message was a warning, and Paul said, watch out. Watch out. With that being said, let's read our passages today, seven verses 17 through 23. Um, and this is what Paul wrote. And now I make one more appeal. There's one more thing, guys, I want to say. That's what he's saying. My dear brothers and sisters, talking to the church at Rome, watch out, watch out, you want to underline that, for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord, but they're serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings. As do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul. Paul didn't write the letter, but he had somebody that was penning the letter for him. So send my greetings too, as well as the Lord's followers. Gatius says hello to you. He is my host and also serves to host the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greetings, as does our brother Cordus. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, in the middle of our time, we're very thankful that we have the privilege of reading your word. Thank you for the written word, for the significance that the Holy Spirit um, it brings to light the truths of your word and how applicable it is for our lives. Uh, today, it's no, it's, it's no secret. There are some that in this room that are, that are very seasoned in their faith. And Jesus, there's a word here for them. There are some that are in the middle of that, that road. And then there are some that are at the beginning, just beginning or haven't yet begun to take steps of faith. But today's the opportunity for them to make the biggest decision of, them, of their life, and that's to come to know you, to trust you, to follow you, to obey you, to come to the place of placing their, their faith in you um, and receiving the grace that you, you give us. Uh, Jesus, I just pray that today, uh, Lord, we would hear your voice in the midst of this. We would hear what you're saying to us. Help us not to be distracted by those things going on around us. But Lord, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts because there is a very, very important message here today for all of us. Help us to hear that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, last week we heard Paul mention the names of many people. And in that, we recognize the fact that people matter. To Heritage, at Heritage, one of our core values is the fact that people matter. You matter. People matter. 
That's very important. And people mattered to Paul. Paul cared about people because we know that the Bible, gospel, Jesus cared about people. Paul cared about relationships um, because relationships matter inside of God's kingdom. Paul loved people, but he also recognized the importance and the value of partnering with people to share the gospel with the world around us. But nestled in amongst what we heard last week and at the end of what we heard today about some of the names of people, there's something that's situated here um, that I want to be our focus on today. And it's an appeal that Paul made. It was a warning. And the warning was, watch out, be on guard. Look at what he says in verse 17. And now I make one more appeal. In other words, there's one other thing I got to say, people, before we begin to close things out. My dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Watch out. Be on guard. Watch out for those who threaten the harmony and the unity of the body of Christ. Where, what are some of these qualities of a divisive person? What are some of the things that that we need to take note of. And the first thing that I want you to write down today is the message of the divisive person because the divisive person has a message. That old saying, you can, you can tell an awful lot by the person by what comes out of their mouth. It applies here. And the messenger, the message of the divisive person is contrary to the gospel and it is contrary to the truths that we find in God's Word. Maybe the teaching is because of ignorance. Maybe it's because of lack of understanding. It could be intentional or unintentional. But regardless of the reason, Paul said, listen, you better watch out. You better be on the lookout. Look to the person to your right and say, you better be on the lookout. You better be on the lookout. Paul's warning wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a cheap shot for those people that he felt like maybe opposed him, but it was a very calculated, well thought out piece of wisdom that he shares with the believers at Rome because Paul knew the deceitfulness of man's heart. Paul also knew the schemes of the devil and he knew how dangerous those were. And at any moment in time, problems can surface. That old saying, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. I don't know if you know that much about firefighting. I was looking at some statistics the other day. I thought it was pretty interesting. 80% of the fires that are started in the United States are caused by man, whether intentional or non-intentional. Did you know that? Isn't that a great, isn't that an unbelievable fact? I also found out that 22,000 fires are started a year, uh, every year by lightning alone. That's pretty interesting, hmm? But why in the world there are fires that are started by people who are supposed to protect us from fires? It's called firefighter arson. They say they may start a fire because they're seeking attention or just out of boredom, but it makes no sense. Why in the world somebody who's supposed to fight fires, keep us protected from fires, would go out and set a fire? That just doesn't make any sense, does it, Kevin? No sense at all. Why in the world would somebody do that? Well, in the same turn, why in the world would a professing believer, follower of Christ, who's supposed to speak the truth, hold on to truth, promote unity and gospel within the body, why in the world would somebody who's supposed to resolve conflicts keep the peace, why in the world would they be a stink stirrer instead of a peacemaker? Uh-oh. You want to point out somebody in here like that? See, the problem is nobody. We don't have that kind of people here, do we? No, we don't have that kind of people. But anyway, there are those people. You've met them, right? Yes, they're around. 
And Paul's warning was, listen, church, those, even though you're doing so good, I want you to know, don't get caught up in all this other stuff. I mean, we talked about this, 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 this. All this stuff is good. But in the, in, in the last thing I want to say to you is watch out. Be aware of what's going on around you. Pay close attention for those types of people. Pay attention to those that, that speak things that come out of their mouths that are divisive, that are not close to the gospel. Because the divisive person will not only cause chaos on the inside of the church house, but will also be able to become a stumbling block to those on the outside looking on the inside. And Paul said, look, stay away. Stay away from those types of people. Avoid them. Now, the King James uses the word doctrine for teaching. Doctrine is important because it isn't just here talking about a single subject matter, but he's talking about the sum and the substance of the gospel itself, that we're saved by grace through faith, that we aren't saved because of what we do, because of what Jesus did on the cross. And Paul believed that the message of the cross was not only worth embracing, but holding on to, and also communicating to others that the good news mattered and it was worth fighting for. Have you ever been in a conflict with somebody and your response, their response was, look, I just don't want to fight about this anymore. You ever done that? Some of you have had that in your homes, right? How many of you had, raise your hand, let's see, how many of you had that combat? I was like, honey, I just don't want to fight no more. But how much, regardless of how much you tried, the person, the other person just seemed to, it wasn't you, but the other person seemed to, you know what I'm saying? Seemed to egg it on. Just come on, baby. Let's get this thing going. It's like Caleb when we were growing up. He always wanted to wrestle, right, son? He always wanted to wrestle. It'd be in the pool. Come on, Dad, let's wrestle. Let's wrestle. And so I'd get, finally, I'd, and he's, he's, as he's gotten bigger, it's a little bit more tougher, but I can still whip him, just so you know that. <laughs> so when he was younger, he would just get in there. He would just hang on me. And I'd be like, oh, I had enough, had enough. And finally, he'd jump back on me again. So I'd have to get him. I'd have put him in the headlock, and I'd rub his head, you know, or I'd, I'd twist his arm. He'd say, I give, I give, I give. And I said, who's the man? He'd say, you the man, Daddy. <laughs> Who loves you? Daddy loves me. You gonna do it again? No, sir, no, sir, no, sir. So I'd let him go and, and he'd go, I'm the man, I'm the man. I love mama, I don't love you, you know. <laughs> the gospel is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for, not to be divisive for divisive sake, but for the sake of unity, to hold on to. But to hold on to the truth, you gotta know the truth. You got to know the word. You got to be in the word. Talking about the gospel, God's word is full of answers to the questions that all of us have. There's all kinds of questions. Any question that you can imagine, the gospel, the gospel God's word has, has something to say about it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it was Paul that wrote all scripture, not some scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. We often say it something along like this. It teaches us what's right, what's not right, how to get right and stay right. And then when Paul was writing to the church at Galatia, in Galatians chapter 3 verse 22, it would be Paul who would write this, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, that all of us, all of us are sinners and that all of us fall short. So we receive God's promise of freedom only, only by believing in Jesus Christ. Just to stop for a second. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have a hope in him and him alone? What is it that you're trusting in? 
That's why we open up God's word. That's why we talk about God's word. That's why we teach God's word. That's why we love to discuss God's word. But Paul said, listen, you better watch out. And you better, you better watch out. You better mark, that's a word, mark false teachers. The Greek word there is skopeo. It means to take heed or consider. Several years ago, there was an Ebola outbreak in Africa. Maybe you remember that. Maybe you remember some of those stories. And what happens when they found out that somebody had contracted that disease in, in those villages, what they would do is they would mark the place where they stayed. That word scopeo means to keep your eyes. You ever done this to somebody? I've got my eyes on you. Got my eyes on you. Jacob, I'm watching you. It's exactly what it means. Paul's saying we can't, you can, you, you can recognize a divisive person by their message. And when you discover them, you better watch them. You better keep your eyes on them. Now, he's not talking about a person that makes a mistake. He's not talking about a, a person who's struggling or stumbles. But tall, Paul is talking specifically about a person who's gained a reputation for causing strife and divisions because of their false teaching. And Paul, didn't, he doesn't mince any words. Paul says, listen, avoid them because uh, the, he knew the devastation that a person like that can bring. That word avoid, stay away, comes from a very, very strong word that means to shun, to turn, and to walk away, and to stay away. So remove ourselves. Avoid those relationships. Why? For the sake of unity and harmony inside the body of Christ. I am all about grace, people, because I recognize what God has done in my life. Amen? I'm all about that, but I'm also recognized the need for boundaries because of wisdom and protection. Amen? Listen, I have no problem coming to you and saying, if I hear something, if I feel like something's going on, I have no problem coming to you and saying, hey, hey, let's sit down and have a conversation. Because the shepherd loves the sheep and he always is watching out for the sheep and the protection of the sheep. Paul goes on to write in verse 18, such people talking about those that cause divisions are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people. And here in verse 18, Paul gives us the motives. We talked about the message. Now we see the motives of the divisive person. And Paul says they're selfish. James chapter 4 says, Why is there quarrels among you? Is it not because of your own selfish desires? I forget why I read this, but to summarize it, it was basically this. The foundation of conflicts many times is the pursuit of I and my, my agenda, my goals, my interests, my glory. What I want, and every one of us in this room is susceptible, Put, look to the person on your left and say, uh-oh. As we often say, every one of us are a step away from stupid at any moment in time. And here in this passage, he says that they serve their own interest. The divisive person, they serve their own interest. King James uses the word belly where he's talking about personal interest, the belly. The Greek word for belly is one that we can be translated into the English word stomach. There's another word, though, that the Greek also uses. It's called kolia. It's where it, it means to go down to the inward parts. It's, the, it's where we get our word colonoscopy. Anybody familiar with that? I remember that. I remember the first time. It wasn't a good time. 
I had gotten that nasty stuff that you're supposed to drink, and I was doing the best I could to drink that nasty stuff. This has been a long time ago. And I called the nurse. I said, I can't do it. I don't know who created this god-awful stuff, but it's terrible. And uh, she said, well, tell me what you're doing. I said, well, I've been drinking this bottle. She said, she said Mr. Brock, she said, you, you haven't been diluting it? And I said, dilute it? I said, nobody told me I was supposed to dilute it. And she said, Mr. Brock, where are you? I said, I'm at the office. She said, how far away are you from the house? I said, 10 minutes. She said, uh, you better go fast. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> For those of you that are younger, you'll understand one day. That's okay. But Paul's not talking about a physical organ here. What he's talking about is an appetite, an abnormal appetite for a, a craving, a bent on satisfying a self-ambition and desire. They want what they want, and they'll go to any extent to get it to fill their gut. I love what Paul was, wrote, was writing when he was writing to the church at Philippi in chapter 3, verse 18. He said, for I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, do you get the, the sense of Paul's care for people? He's talking to him, and he's saying, look, I've told you this before, and I'm going to tell you again, and I've got tears in my eyes if I'm sharing this with you, because I want you to understand the significance of this, of this, that there are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross, by the way, who should be not enemies of the cross, but friends of the cross. They're headed for destruction. Many people that call themselves believers and followers of Christ that say, Lord, Lord. They said their God is their appetite and they brag about, brag about shameful things and they think only about this life and here on earth. Every one of us need to check ourselves, right? We need to check ourselves. And Paul just didn't bring to light the message and he just didn't bring to light the motives of the divisive person, but he also brought to light the methods of the divisive person. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 18. For they deceive others by smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people. In Titus chapter 1 verse 10, Paul, when writing to Titus in reference to the church, he said this, For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on the circumcision of salvation. There was a, a group that was called the Judaizers, and that's specifically of whom Paul was referring to. The word Judaizer meant to live according to Jewish customs. It were those that said, listen, we believe that Jesus is the way, but there's also some other things that must be done. You must hold on to the Mosaic law. You must participate in the festivals. In other words, to be saved, you not only had to trust Jesus, but there was some other stuff that had to go along with it. And Paul didn't mince any words when dealing with that. But he went on to say this in verse 11, they must be silenced. That's a big deal. They must be silenced because why? Because they're turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. To stop for a second, I wonder how many of us are setting a bad example by telling others that it's by my church attendance, it's by what I give, it's by what I do, it's by all these other things that a person has the opportunity to experience eternal life. And yet we're leading people astray 
not just by what comes out of our mouth, but how we're acting. And Paul says, look, he said, families are being turned away from the truth by their false teaching. And Paul went on to say, and why are they doing that? They do it for money. Does that sound familiar in our day and time? This isn't in your notes, but the target of a device. It's a simple person. It's a child. We can say maybe a child or somebody that's inexperienced. They can be older. You can be older, a professing believer, yet still be an infant spiritually. Just because you've grown up going to church and you've, you participate in all the religious activities doesn't necessarily mean that you know God's Word and you're mature in God's Word. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, um, chapter, in 1 Peter 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, this is what Peter wrote, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech like newborn babies. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. He's saying grow up. Mature in your faith. Mature so that you can know the difference between darkness and light and right and wrong and that which is truth and that which is false. Grow up so that at the point that you hear something that's not right, you can identify it and go, that's not right. You must be on guard, Paul said. Don't get caught up with great personalities and shiny spe speeches, but seek to be grounded in the truth of God's, God's word. And yet in the middle of all this, Paul gives a word of encouragement. Look at what he says in verse 19. But everyone knows that you're obedient to the Lord. This makes me so happy. I want to you to be wise in doing what's right and to stay innocent. He's saying pure of any wrong. And man, this is so important because he says this. Everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. Where's Paul writing from? He's writing from Corinth. Who is he writing to? He's writing to the believers in Rome, a place that he had never been, but he had heard about their testimony. He had heard about their faith in the midst of conversations. Can I ask a question of you today? You know, when people talk about you, what is it they talk about? Do they talk about your faith? Do they talk about your faithfulness? What about in the workplace? Do they talk about the fact that you're different, that you're a follower of Jesus? What about on the ball fields? What about in the home? What do your children say about you? What about the guys that you hang out with on Friday night or that girl's weekend away? And a question that I often ask is, is if, there, if you were put on trial for being a believer, would there be enough evidence to convict you of so? If you were put on trial for being a believer, would, if they were interview the people that know you the most, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a follower of Jesus? And Paul, Paul speaking to those at Rome said, man, you guys, I can see that you guys are obedient. Man, you make me joyful. He said, this makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing what's right and to stay innocent of doing any wrong. And Paul's commending them for their faith and their activity. And he's saying, listen, guys, just don't, just don't take what you've done. I mean, but continue to be wise. Continue to recognize evil and avoid it. They were strong because they knew the word. They sought after the Lord. He was their focus. They knew what was good, and Paul said, listen, avoid that which is evil. And those are some characteristics of a healthy church. Knowing the gospel, 
Spending time in the Word, growing together spiritually, sharing life, using the gifts and talents that you have, not for your own glory, but for the glory of God so that the, the gospel itself may be promoted and go beyond the church walls. It's important. And then Paul, there in verse 20, gives us a final reminder. Because, you know, on the journey of faith, it's easy to get discouraged, Elliot. There are those times, man, we just want to throw in the towel. Just those times that, man, we want to say, I quit, I give up. Especially when we're looking at the church as a whole and the activity or the people that we know that call themselves believers. Paul's reminder was this. In verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That even though the ultimate victory had already been won, Paul said, listen, I want you to understand that the devil himself is fighting because he knows that his days are numbered and you need to, you need to be on the lookout. You need to watch out. But I want you to know that the God of peace will crush Satan under our feet. And we know this because of what he's already, what's already taken place at the gospel or at the, at the cross, that the battle's already been won. I love what William Barclay had to say about this in his commentary on verse 20. He said this, make sure that you listen and I'll read it slowly so that you don't miss it. The passage closes with the most suggested thing that Paul says that the God of peace will soon crush and overthrow Satan, the power of evil. We must make note though that the peace of God is a peace of action and a victory. There is, though, a kind of peace which can be had at the cost of evading all issues and refusing all decisions. A peace which comes of a lethargic inactivity. The Christian, the follower of Christ, the believer, must never remember that the peace of God is not, is not the peace which has been submitted to the world, but the peace which has overcome the world. Amen? And even though the church at that time was surrounded by paganism, Paul remained strong and he encouraged the, Rome, the, the church at Rome to remain strong and be on guard to watch out. Be careful. Keep your eyes open. And the message of the divisive person was contrary to the gospel and the truths that we find in God's word. The motives, it's all about self. Not to serve the Lord, but to serve themselves and their own appetites. The methods, the divisive person, smooth words, baby. Yeah, flattering speech. The old saying about the thermostat and the thermometer. I don't know if you've ever heard that. One records the temperature, the other one sets the temperature. We were taking pictures for homecoming last night. I heard some of the kids talking about past experiences at homecoming and what had happened. And, and uh, Brian and I were just sitting and laughing and listening and to what was going on. And, and Brian spoke up and he said, you know, guys, he said, listen, instead of being influenced by what happens at homecoming, how about you guys being the influencers? Instead of you guys being the followers, how about you guys being the leaders? Instead of being the thermometer, how about being... The thermostat needs to be an important reminder for all of us because there's some of you that, man, you play a pretty good role as a, as a thermometer. I mean, you sort of rise and fall with what's going on around you. I think God calls us to be influencers instead of those who are influenced, to be leaders instead of those who are being led.
It's important that we remain connected and submitted to the Holy Spirit. And Paul's warning, the warning that he gave 2,000 years ago, is still really important to us today. Amen? And I don't care what you hear me say or anybody says in this pulpit. You're always, we always should be going back to the Word and making sure that the Word is being spoke, spoken. Anything that you listen on, you be careful of the things that you listen because there's a lot of shiny objects out there these days that are promoting hope in a lot of different ways. But the only hope that we have is not in the circumstances that we face. The only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ and the foundation that is laid when we come to place our faith and trust in him. Amen? Would you pray with me today? His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The word has been spoken today. What is being said to you? For some of you, and the encouragement is to be careful. We'll be on the watch out. Be on the lookout for those things that are not real, those things that are not true, those things that are not of God. Believers, we have to be on guard, have to be watching and praying, be very diligent because we know that the devil is alive and well and he seeks to destroy us and he will make use of any willing vessel that he can find. But there may be some of you here today that are not a believer and follower of Jesus. The question is why? I'll tell you why because you don't feel like you need him. But today you have the ability to make one of the most important decisions, the most important decision of your life. Whether you're listening by television or whether you're sitting in this room today, you have the ability to make the most important decision. And that's of recognizing your sinfulness and your need for Jesus. And today, if that's you, you're right there where you sit, you have the ability to just in this time of quietness say, Jesus, I need you. Will you save me? Will you save me? Today I recognize my sin and I recognize how much I need you. If that's you today, when I'm done praying, if you would be so kind and so bold enough to come and tell me, Pastor Sid, this is the decision that I'm wanting to make. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life because I would love for us to sit down and have a discussion about what that looks like, about your next step. Just before this service, I had a gentleman come to me and say, Pastor Sid, it's time. Uh, I need to be baptized as a, as a reflection of my faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, as we close out our time here today, Lord, wherever this sits within us, uh, it's a reminder that Paul, it was a warning for us to be on the lookout. Help us to be very diligent in doing that, not only as individuals, but corporately as a church family. Jesus, I pray today for um, those that may be here that don't know you. Father, if there's some that have made that decision to trust Jesus, I pray that today they would have the boldness and the courage to come to me afterwards and say, I want to follow you. For every one of us, as we walk out these doors, it's important for us to remember that we carry the gospel with us wherever we go in our actions as well as our speech. 
Jesus, help us to be your representatives and your ambassadors in this world in which we live, to be mindful of the opportunities we have in the workplace, on the ball fields, and in our homes to represent you. Jesus, I'm very thankful for this group of people, this family that we call Heritage. You have blessed us with this, and Jesus, I just ask that we'd be very wise stewards of this resource. Father, would you continue to help us to be on guard for divisive people? Father, help us to be able to, to be wise to know who that may be, and, and Father, just to be on guard. But to offset that, may we be people of the word. Thank you for the adults that are participating in small groups and discipleship in personal Bible study as well as corporate Bible study throughout the week. Jesus, would you bless us now as we go, and may we be a light in this place of darkness so that the world may come to know about you and the power of the resurrected Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.